Hey, this morning we are concluding our series on Go Big or Go Home. Uh, You can ride a bike with a cute little bell on it, or you can ride a Harley, okay? Go big or go home. As a pastor, I'm encouraged by any kind of growth in your faith. Even small steps of faith matter to me. Um, But, and most of us, I think if we were to ask many of us, if not all of us, uh, we would say, yes, we do want to grow in our faith. But I think if we were completely honest, we would also say, um, but we would like to grow in our faith in a way that is safe, comfortable, and convenient. Yes, I want to grow in my love and devotion to Jesus as long as it's not too much trouble, okay? Um, And God is patient. Uh, He rejoices when our faith in Jesus impacts how we live, no matter how big or small that might be. But God is always challenging us to go big. Um, And God isn't as interested in our safety and comfort and convenience as he is in our devotion and commitment to Jesus. The good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins demands something big from us. Um, As the Bible says, we are to be living sacrifice. Well, um, living a life of sacrifice is going to be sacrificial. Um, It's not always going to be safe, convenient, and comfortable. And so each week we've issued a challenge to ourselves. Um, First week, the challenge was to share secrets, not in the sense of gossiping, but in the sense of being held accountable. Uh, We can't grow if we don't admit our sinfulness, not just admitting that to ourselves, not just admitting that to God, but to actually share it with someone else. Now, I'm not saying we should share our secrets with everyone, but we do need to admit our sinfulness to someone. Uh, Week two, we challenged ourselves to wake up early, to wake up early and spend time with God. Um, Jesus did it, so we should be doing it, and prioritizing things like reading the Bible and prayer and listening for God and actually getting up earlier to do it, even if it's as little as 10 minutes earlier, getting up earlier uh, to spend time with God. And then last week, Pastor John challenged us to write the big check, meaning that God is probably leading us to invest in someone, and when we invest in someone, we should write the big check, make, meaning it should be sacrificial when we invest in someone else. Uh, it could be a literal check, like the one Pastor John talked about, or it could be some other way to really invest in someone. Uh, he wasn't promoting acts of, random acts of kindness, but reminding us that God is leading us to intentionally invest in someone. And when God is leading us to invest in someone, It's going to be sacrificial, meaning it's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, verse 24. 1 Corinthians, it's in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, The first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then that's followed by Acts, which is followed by Romans, which is then followed by 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 9, we're going to start in verse 24. The challenge for this morning is downsizing, creating space for our faith, creating space in our lives to love God, creating space in our lives to love our neighbors. Our lives are cluttered. Um, They're cluttered with stuff. They're cluttered with busyness. Our cluttered lives are a hindrance to our faith, and we need to reprioritize how we're doing life. Uh, Our scripture reader for this morning is Alexis Pearson. And so, Alexis, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As she does so, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us 
that scripture is central to our lives and we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so Alexis, whenever you're ready, please read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Alexis, thank you very much. You may be seated. Uh, Last year was my son's second year of college and he moved out of his dorm into an apartment. And so we went down to Salt Lake where he goes to school to buy him some furniture. And we found ourselves in an Ikea. Have you ever been to Ikea? Just raise your hand. Any Ikea visitors here? Okay, Um, that store is unbelievable. It's a mega store that you could very, very easily get lost in. They even have arrows on the floor to guide you through the store so you don't get lost. It is unbelievable. And so we were making our way um, through this maze of different models of different living spaces. And we came across a section that had designs for small, tiny living spaces uh, where they were able to fit uh, your bedroom, your kitchen, your bathroom, your living room. They could fit all of that in a space of like seven, 800 square feet or less. There was one space, I think it was like 386 square feet. Um, and since then, I've discovered that minimizing your living space is actually a trendy thing to do, uh, especially if you live in the city. Um, but the trend is not limited to city living. Small living spaces, whether it's in an apartment or a home, that's a thing. Now, it was more of a thing before all the shutdown stuff happened, but it's still a thing. Um, Here is uh, one person's small, tiny home. They're on the left, and then the middle picture is uh, the person in their home. And um, uh, what was really cool about the IKEA stuff was how creative they got. Um, You know, if you're gonna live in a tiny space like that, you gotta make the most of every inch. And so I love the picture on the right where you got the bed, uh, well, even the middle picture, but you got that bed on the top above, and then they're creative with all the appliances. Um, I saw one place that had the commode right next to the shower. So I don't know, multitasking, I'm not sure what that's all about. But uh, living in small space, and living in small spaces, it's not just for single people. Um, couples live in small spaces, like these next pictures. That one on the bottom, you have that couple living in a small space. The one on the top, you have that family of four. That is their house in the background. Um, In 1950, I found this fascinating, in 1950, the average size of a home was 1,000 square feet. Actually, it was less than that. In 1970, 20 years later, the average size of a home was 1,500 square feet. In 2010, the average size of a home was 2,400 square feet. The trend of living in smaller spaces is actually very countercultural because our homes keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there are environmental and economic reasons for living in small spaces, but I think there's a really simple reason for downsizing 
your living space. And that simple reason is simplicity. When you have a larger home, you have to fill it with stuff. You gotta put stuff in your big home. And so you get more clutter, and the more clutter you get, the more time you've gotta manage it, and the more time you've gotta maintain it. And the more stuff you have to manage and maintain gives you less time for friends and family and faith. And I just think this whole thing is a great metaphor for our lives. You know, in 1950, the average size of a home was less than 1,000 square feet. In 2010, it was over 2,400 square feet. That's a great metaphor because our lives in 2010 were a whole lot more cluttered than I think living was back in the 1950s. And for many people, going to small living spaces, it's all about downsizing. And what's ironic about that is that when you downsize your physical living space and have less to take care of, you actually increase the amount of space you have to live. Uh, and people, th this is very common, people downsize their homes when they retire or when they, uh, their kids move out of the house. Why? So that they have the space in their lives to do what they want to do. And likewise, for many of us, if we're going to grow in our faith, we have to declutter our lives. We must downsize. We must create the space we need to develop our love for Jesus and for our neighbor. And the very first thing, if you go back to the passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 and 25, the very first thing Paul talks about is the prize. You see, the prize is the purpose. We do not downsize. We do not sacrifice. We do not create space for the sake of downsizing. There's actually a goal, and that goal is what Paul talks about, the prize. The prize is the purpose. If you go back to your Bibles and look in verse 24, where it says, run in such a way as to get the prize. And in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. A crown that will last forever. That is the prize. Now, I think a great question is, what kind of crown are we talking about? What is this crown? Well, it could be, could very easily be a literal crown. You know, maybe a cool crown made of pure gold. Um, maybe it has jewels in it. Maybe it's something you can put your stickers on. Um, I would have a Packer logo on mine, whatever. Um, maybe it's a literal, literal crown. But what if Paul is referring to something even better than just an expensive hat? Acts 13 says, after removing Saul, he made David their king, and God testified concerning him, meaning David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. Now, outside of Jesus, I would argue that David gets the best compliment in the whole Bible. A man after my own heart, God says. How would you like to be a person with a heart like God's? Where what is important to God is important to you. Where what makes God rejoice makes you rejoice. What makes God mourn makes you mourn. For God to say, you are a person after my own heart. How awesome would it be? to have a heart like God's heart. 
The more we follow Jesus and become like him, the more our hearts become like God's heart. And so what would you be willing to downsize? What would you be willing to sacrifice to have a heart like God's heart? Because how cool of a crown would that be? To have a heart after God's own heart. James chapter 2 says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. I just said outside of Jesus, David, in my opinion, gets the best compliment in the whole Bible. A man after God's own heart. Abraham, this is pretty close. For Abraham to be called God's friend. How would you like to be considered God's friend? Not so you could brag about it, but so that you would have this bond of mutual respect and affection with God. How awesome would that be to be God's friend? You know, Jesus said something about friendship to his disciples in John 15, where he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. The more we follow Jesus, the more we become friends with him. And what would you be willing to downsize? What would you be willing to sacrifice for friendship with God through Jesus? How great of a crown would that be? Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Imagine for a second that these things defined you. Love, joy, peace, and patience They came natural to you. And you weren't kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlling because you were supposed to be, but you were kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlling because you couldn't imagine being any other way. That it would be an anathema to not be like that. How awesome would it be for the fruit of the Spirit to be our nature. Well, the more we follow Jesus and become like him, the more the fruit of the Spirit defines who we are. What would you be willing to downsize? What would you be willing to sacrifice to have the fruit of the Spirit kind of character? How great of a crown would that be? And how great would it be to live in a place where everyone loved God and where everyone loved their neighbor and how different that world would be from the world we find ourselves in. That world would be heaven-like. And what a great crown that would be. And so maybe the crown is a literal crown or maybe the crown is more like those things, a heart after God's own heart. Friendship with Jesus, character of the Spirit. The prize is the purpose. And the prize 
requires a plan. There is an eternal crown to be won here. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 26, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. You know, we believe that we are saved by grace, that salvation is not something we earn, but it is a gift from God. Well, if it's a gift from God, which we believe, why is Paul working so hard? What's up with that? You see, forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of sins isn't just something about our past. Forgiveness of sins, I would argue, is as much about our future, if not more, than it is about our past. Forgiveness of sins is about our future. Just pretend for a second that um, you are in this class that you absolutely must pass to do whatever it is you want to do next in life, okay? And you fail the test that you absolutely needed in order to pass the class. You failed it. You bombed it as bad as you could ever bomb a test. Well, your future would look pretty grim for that class. And then what if the teacher said, well, I'm not going to count that test against you. I'm going to give you a do-over on the test. You can take the test again. I'll even help you study for it. Well, what has that just changed? Your past? No, it's changed your future. Because your whole future in that class has now changed. Because you can still pass it. And you would be a fool to not take up your teacher's offer. We don't begin with hearts after God's own heart. We don't begin as Jesus' friend. We don't begin with fruit of the Spirit kind of character. We don't live in a world where everyone loves God and loves their neighbor. And God's grace says, I'm not counting that against you. In Jesus, I'm offering you a heart like mine. In Jesus, I'm offering you my friendship. In Jesus, I'm offering you fruit of the Spirit kind of character. In Jesus, I'm offering redemption for the whole world. And Jesus is going to help you along the way. And that's what Jesus does when we follow him. He transforms us. And we would be fools to not give up everything and follow. But it doesn't happen by accident. Following Jesus doesn't happen by accident. We need to be intentional in our faith, in our following of Jesus. The prize requires a plan. And the prize requires parting with something. As Paul goes on to say in verse 27, if you want to look there in your Bibles, where it says, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Paul knew that in order to go after the prize, like any athlete, like any competitor, he knew he had to give up something that he had to sacrifice. He had to downsize his life in order to make room to gain the prize. We cannot have it all. We must choose. And something will have to go if we are going to grow in our faith in Jesus. And so maybe you literally need to start decluttering stuff 
You've got too much stuff. It's taking up too much of your time, and you need to start getting rid of it. Maybe you need to move into a smaller house. Maybe some of your toys need to go, your boat, your cabin, your RV. Maybe you have too much going on. And so a hobby or a sport or activity or a craft either needs to be done less or just needs to go. Or maybe you're working too much and you just need to put in less hours. Or maybe as a family, you're just too busy and you need to cut some stuff out. Oh, this is a radical idea. Maybe you need to spend less time on the phone. Just a thought. Um, Maybe there are some bad relationships that need to end. Bad company corrupts good character and you need to spend less time with some bad company. Something has to be parted with. Uh, Some of you know the name Jim Elliott. He was a 20th century missionary and he was doing mission work with indigenous people of Ecuador, a certain particular people group. And the particular people group he was doing missionary work with, they were known for their violence to outsiders. And Jim and some of his friends reached out to them anyway. And they were eventually killed by the people they were trying to reach. And long story short, their deaths were the spark that led to the salvation of the tribe that killed them. And years before uh, he was killed, Jim Elliott wrote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Following Jesus requires sacrifice. We must downsize something in our lives in order to make room for Jesus. And whatever it is that we are going to have to downsize, just realize you were going to lose it anyway. You weren't going to keep it forever. So why not give it up now to gain a prize, a crown that you cannot lose? That is not a foolish decision. What temporary thing do you need to give up in order to gain something eternal. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the, for the prize. What temporary thing do you need to give up in order to gain something eternal? We called this series, Go Big or Go Home. And for me, if you just did one, one of the four things from this series, that would be a big deal for your faith. Whether it's sharing your secrets, whether it's waking up early, or writing the big check, or downsizing, to do just one of those things. In July of 2020, 
could be a turning point in your life where you will look back and say, in July of 2020, I went big with my faith. And it made all the difference. Please pray with me. And Lord, as we come before you this morning, I would ask that you would soften our hearts. And Lord, help us to let go of whatever it is we need to let go of so that we can receive something from you that is so much better. Lord, give each of us a desire to have a heart like yours, to have friendship with Jesus, to have fruit of the Spirit kind of character, and to love you and to love our neighbors. Lord, give us that desire. And we thank you for your ongoing love and grace and mercy. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.